see you on this Christmas time morning in church to serve the Lord. <coughs> Good to see Travis walking in here. All right. And hope the rest of you feel very welcome this morning as well. All right. Let's ask the Lord to help us. Thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you for your many blessings. Thank you for your companionship to us and your <clears throat> salvation to us and your coming to earth for us. Be with us in every part of our services today. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> All right, our lesson, continuing our studies in Romans. Um, and the title of our lesson is Guilt and Grace. Yes, there is guilt for sin, but there's also grace for salvation. Thank the Lord. The key verse is that as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign righteousness, reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 5.21. <coughs> That's the last verse of our lesson this morning. The central truth is we receive life through God's grace provided by Christ's death. All right. Lesson is taken from uh, Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 21. David Augsburger wrote, Before God, none of us achieve acceptance by our own brilliance, skill, personalities, or good fortune. We are all equally in need of his goodness <coughs> of heart, which we call grace. Wilbur G. Williams wrote, For every puddle of sin, God has a Niagara of grace. Grace is God's love in action toward the person in demerit. We used to be getting demerits from the Lord when we did wrong. We used to give demerits in school for kids who did wrong. The will of God <coughs> will never take you where the grace of God cannot keep you. There's a good one. Grace greater than our sin. Now, I guess I should have thought of a Christmas song that had to do with grace, but I didn't think of one. So, grace greater than our sin. Number 84, let's sing that together. <coughs> Sorry about my coughing. It's still hanging on. Number 84, grace greater than our sin.
prayers. Thank you, Crystal. Amen. All right, birthdays and anniversaries. You don't have a bulletin, so I'm going to read this out of our um, directory here, our uh, lists, your phone numbers and things in here, whatever. Okay, so birthdays and anniversaries. Jackson Durkee on the 18th, anniversary for Dawn and Valerie Hallenbeck, <coughs> December 20th, 20, December 21, Marval, Maravella Hubble, little Maravella, I think that's the little kindergarten girl, right? I have that right there, okay. And then um, Kevin and Brianna Spangler, well, happy anniversary, and happy birthday to Michelle Stump, okay. Those are the birthdays and anniversaries. Announcement, the church Christmas program is tonight. You see, we have quite a set here, don't we? We even have mountains over there. All right. Um, that's tonight at 6. At 6. Candlelight service on Christmas Eve night, 6.30 p.m. And New Year's Eve night <coughs> will be... Communion service at 6.30 p.m. Okay. All right. <clears throat> uh, we had a, a request for a teenage boy, uh, Hudson Miller. Let's remember him in prayer, the physical need there. Let's remember the Cooley family. Remember the Stroop family. The David Wagner family on the occasion of their grieving time. Also got a request for Donna Kodash, Kodash and her son, hope I didn't got that right, uh, for a request that was brought in, that was uh, texted to the pastor. Let's remember these re requests for prayer. Let's remember our pastors today. Let's remember our program this evening and all the work that has gone into that. <coughs> Someone asked me if I would be in the program. I said, no, and I probably would have coughed the whole way through anyway. Anyway. Okay, maybe I shouldn't have said that, but there we are. All right. Um, other requests you want to mention this morning? Let's keep remembering those who have not been well among us. Good to have the Bowsers back with us and the Smiths back there. All right. Let's keep remembering each other in prayer, physical needs. You can say up another prayer for me if you'd remember me to get over this pneumonia sort of thing that I have. Unspoken. A lot of hands. A lot of hands. And God knows about everything. Concerning those that raised hands. Shall we stand together today? Let's just all pray together and ask the Lord to help us. <coughs> Thank you, Lord, for the privilege we have to come before you and uh, bring our petitions to you in prayer. Lord, you know about all the names we've mentioned this morning. The boy named Hudson, who has the physical needs. Uh, the Wagner family, the Cooley family, the Stroop family. <coughs> Lord... You are very capable to go and be very close and to, for the folks to know your presence, Lord, as we pray. 
and we pray you'll undertake for each one of them. We have the Millersburg, the Milesburg Church on our bulletin today. Let's remember them in prayer. Help us to remember them in prayer. <laughs> Pastor Bennett and all the people there. Lord, you know what's involved in every upraised hand this morning. You know every detail, every personality. We thank you, Lord, for bringing folks here who have not been well in body, bringing them back to church. We thank you for that, Lord. Pray be with our pastors today, helping the program tonight, help the children, the young people, whoever's involved in the program tonight. Help us throughout the week. Help us to remember why, why we are having Christmas. Remember the real reason that we're having this season at this time of the year, Lord. Supply every need, help in every part of our services, and uh, we pray, Lord, that you will help us to have a fresh and new um, appreciation for thee and for your blessings and your wonderful grace. Help Brother Dutry as he teaches this class this morning, and then help in every Sunday school class today. Thank you for what you've done for us, Lord. Be with us. Be with every shut-in, everyone that's not well. And uh, we thank you for the privilege we had to pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We have the offering at this time. And Brother Dutry is going to give us the lesson this morning. Let's remember him in prayer. All right. Good morning. Wow, it's good to see all of you this morning. Sunday school class. Glad for those of you that have been gone for a little while. We're glad that you're here. Good to see Travis, all of you today. Good to have you with us. Thank you for being here this morning. This is the third Sunday of Advent. We don't always talk a lot about it, but uh, uh, this is the third Sunday, Sunday that's devoted to the shepherd's section of the story, the Christmas story, and the joy. Wow, what a wonderful night that must have been. Uh, the joy that filled the air, tremendous. Before I get into the lesson, I, I want to share with you a few quotes that I read this week with Christmas themes that really just I just enjoyed and were special to me, and uh, I just want to want to share a few of them with you. I saw one that said, uh, "We take our children to the mall to meet Santa. Why not take them to church to meet Jesus?" Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know that I ever took my children to the mall to meet Santa, but anyhow, uh, you know, some people do that. 
when people talk about Santa, I always point them to the mall. Well, there's a guy down there at the mall. Uh, it's supposed to be Santa Claus, but otherwise. Someone said, if the house isn't clean, it's still Christmas. If desserts are not made, it's still Christmas. If there are no decorations, it's still Christmas. If the gifts aren't purchased, it's still Christmas. But if it's not about Christ, then it's not Christmas. Boy, we had lengthy discussions this week about that at home and how the world views Christmas and how we view Christmas. What a difference. What a difference. Take everything else out. No, there's Christmas if you take everything out. But if you take Christ out, we have no reason to celebrate anything. True love was born in a stable. And I like this one. A thousand times in history, a baby has become a king. But only once in history did a king become a baby. I like that. Well, my prayer for all of you is that you have a wonderful Christmas, enjoyable time with your family, and I trust it will be a Christ-filled Christmas. Amen. Let's pray and then we'll take a look at our lesson. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the opportunity of being here today. We thank you for the opportunity of studying your word and talking about the good things of God and the grace that you have so freely given all of us. I pray that you would help us today that we might gain something from this time, that it might be honoring and glorifying to your precious name. Amen. All right, I'm going to do something different. We haven't done this in a long time. Let's read our lesson together responsively. So if you have your quarterlies there, wonderful. If not, and you have a Bible, which everyone should in your seat, Romans chapter 5, verses 6, and I think it goes through 21. So let's just read together. I'll tell you what, I'll let you go first. How's that? All right. You go ahead with Romans chapter 5, verse 6. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. Much more then, being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. For until the law, sin was in the world. 
But sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that has But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. And I guess you could probably sum that all up with one word, and that would be, wow. <laughs> you could probably take pretty much every verse singly in what we just read and make sermons and lessons out of uh, just one verse at a time. Uh, but let's talk a little bit about uh, these verses, and uh, we'll try to at least get through some of them. I had you read them because I'm not going to probably quote all of them as we go along this morning. In a small cemetery of a parish church in Olney, England, there stands a granite tombstone with this inscription on it, John Newton. Pastor, once an infidel and a libertine, a servant of slavers in Africa, was by the rich mercy of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ preserved, restored, pardoned, and appointed to preach the faith he had long labored to destroy. And we know about John Newton this morning. Um, Ireland's very beautiful Donegal County, which is located along what they call the beautiful Wild Atlantic Way, just a lovely drive up through there, that area was the setting for the story that changed the life of John Newton. Uh, as we know, he was in a very tragic shipwreck. He had a very near-death experience. Uh, he was a very foul-mouthed slave trader, but he became a Christian because of his 
near-death experience. And of course we know he wrote the wonderful hymn that the world loves, Amazing Grace. Now we, we personally visited that part of Ireland. It, it's beautiful. They have a park uh, in, in one of the towns there. It's called Amazing Grace Park. And uh, there are some busts of John Newton there. And his story throughout the walk, it's a beautiful walk through there. And throughout the walk, there are different points where you can read about the life of John Newton. And you can read his story. It's just, it was a beautiful experience. And uh, also in the town of Derry there, uh, there's a beautiful old church built in 1600. 33, I believe, called St. Columns uh, Cathedral. And uh, that is the church where John Newton began to attend after he became a Christian. Now, his famous hymn describes the state of man before salvation when he says, It saved a wretch like me. And you know that's where we all are this morning without the grace of God. A wretch. Very quickly I want you if you would, a few of you give me some ideas of uh, what you would call grace. What is grace? What does grace mean to you this morning? Very quickly a few of you. What does grace mean to you? Forgiveness. Forgiveness. Jesus saved me from a wretched life. Jesus saved from a wretched life. Anyone else? Love extended. Very good. All these are good. Anyone else? Unmerited favor. Good. And no one said, well, that was my aunt. <laughs> oh, I hope more of you got that. <laughs> I had an Aunt Grace, too. She was a wonderful, wonderful lady. And I believe she made it the very end. I believe she made it. But All right. So we have some good definitions of grace this morning. I found one that I really liked. And uh, you're going to be surprised where it came from, but I'm going to read it first. There, there, there are many definitions in books and articles. You can find all kinds of things. But I think that the best one that I found goes like this. It said, grace is the spontaneous, unmerited gift of the divine favor in the salvation of sinners and the divine influence operating in individuals for their regeneration and sanctification. And guess where that came from? Encyclopedia Britannica. Interesting. Very good. So, the only reason we are here today and we're partakers of God's wonderful salvation is because of His grace. That's why we're here this morning. We're all beneficiaries of His grace. Uh, and we know there's many types of grace, and we're not going to get into all of that this morning. 
but I want to focus on the very important part of grace, and that's saving grace. The grace that John Newton experienced and wrote about. God's grace is defined as undeserved favor. We cannot earn grace. It's something that is freely given to us. God's grace is like a bridge that is built to get us from one place to another. Uh, you know, without bridges uh, that are put in very strategic places, uh, to get to certain areas would, would be hard or almost impossible if it were not for bridges. I was very happy when they got that bridge across the Susquehanna here not too long ago. That saves a little bit of time uh, when you're going from point A to point B, especially if you're coming from Sealands Grove and you want to go to Milton. It works out a lot better to take that little bridge across there. Uh, I also read this week, and this was kind of a surprise to me, but uh, they're building a bridge, a very large bridge between the countries of Greece and Turkey. Uh, there is no way you can get from Greece to Turkey today unless you fly. Uh, but they are building a bridge. I'm surprised they could get along long enough to do it. Uh, but apparently they are, are working together now somewhat, and they are building, uh, they are building a bridge. So grace is, is like a bridge that spans the area that we couldn't traverse on our own. That's what we call grace. In the first verse of our lesson, Romans chapter 5, verse 6, it says that when we were yet without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. And then in verse 8, it says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so we see the depravity of man in uh, these two verses. Uh, we see the fact that man is destitute, man is lacking. Yeah. And the reason for Christ's death on the cross is the fact that we were powerless to change our sinful condition. Without the cross, we couldn't change our condition. We were guilty. We were without hope. I'm thankful for the law. The law did work, okay? The law did work. And uh, it, was, it was one of those things that it, it was tough, but it worked for a while, but I'm so glad for grace this morning, glad for God's goodness in his death. We were guilty. We were without hope. Now, tucked in between verses 6 and 8, there is a very interesting verse. It says, for scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. Now, it is extremely rare for someone to be willing to give their life for someone else. That is not a natural thing to do, okay? We are, we are made up with self-preservation, okay? We don't want to die. None of us here want to die. 
Uh, I know we, we, Sister Kennedy, I believe it was, wanted to die ever since she was about 80 years old and lived to 106. But we don't want to die. That's just the way we're built. Uh, and, and if we were honest this morning with each other, uh, there, there's probably no one in here that would be just really gung-ho and very willing to die for someone else in here. That's just the way we're made up. Now, maybe you'd be willing to die for a, a family member, but probably not a stranger. Probably not a stranger. Now, this verse says that some may die for a good man, uh, suggesting that likely no one would want to die for a bad man. Some might die for a good man. Uh, there's no lines of people today waiting uh, to take the place of someone on death row. No one's standing in line putting an application in to take the place of someone on death row. That's just not the way we, we are made up. It's human nature. Now, God in His infinite goodness and mercy exhibited that love for all of us wretched sinners by sacrificing His only Son for us. That's pretty hard to fathom because like I said, we're not really too excited about giving our life for someone else. And we might be willing to protect our spouse or willing to die maybe for our children or someone we dearly love. But God, for us wretched sinners, sent His Son. Some years ago, in the southern part of Louisiana on the I-10 bridge between Baton Rouge and Lafayette, there were two men that witnessed uh, an 18-wheeler veer off the highway, veer off the bridge, breaking through the railing and plunging off the bridge into the water below. As they drove near it, they pulled over to the side of the highway and jumped out of their car to see if the, the guy was okay. Uh, the driver of the 18-wheeler. Now, by this time, many people were getting out of their vehicles and looking over the railing into the water, and they were just frozen in, in amazement as to what happened. But when these two gentlemen could not see the driver anywhere or see any movement of life below, they both jumped off the bridge into the shallow water and they rescued the truck driver, pulled into safety. They risked their own lives for the sake that one man might live. As we go to verse 8, Paul begins to talk about justification. Or being reconciled by God's grace. In verse 5 of chapter 5, which is not in our lesson, Paul speaks about the hope we have as believers and partakers of God's grace. And as you go on into this section, verse 9, first of all, tells us the reason 
for the confidence that we have. It says, much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Now, there are many reasons why you became a Christian this morning. There are many reasons why I became a Christian. I'm thankful for justification, uh, just as if I had never sinned. That's what the word actually means. And I'm thankful for salvation this morning. And there are many reasons why we are Christians. But very frankly, the bottom line is none of us want to go to hell. None of us. That's the bottom line. We're saved because we want to go to heaven. We don't want to go to hell. We don't ultimately want to be subject to the wrath of God. Uh, Rebecca and I were talking this week about how at times uh, when we were younger, kids, we were scared nearly, nearly silly when uh, uh, we were listening to some of the preaching on death and hell and uh, fire and brimstone and how that really kind of scared us a little bit when we were kids. But you know what that did was that really kind of helped to keep our feet where they needed to be spiritually. Uh, now I know there's probably in some cases there's maybe been some, some people that have become sour because of it, and that's not God's fault, that's their own fault. Uh, but here's my feeling, and, and you're, you're welcome to have another opinion. You know, you have a right to be wrong, okay? <laughs> Rebecca and I both agreed that we would rather be saved and make it to heaven because we were scared to death than to miss heaven altogether because preachers aren't being faithful to the Word of God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And maybe that's, that might be part of the reason why some of us are here this morning because we just simply were scared to death. And uh, that wasn't a bad thing for us. Verse 10 says, we are all enemies of God, reconciled by the death of his son, and much more reconciled by his life. Christ's resurrection is the difference maker for us. Our Christian faith is most remarkable because we have a living Savior you know, you can go around the world and you can visit the tombs of many other well-known religious gods and heroes, but that's all you have. You have a tomb wherein lies a dead body. That's all you have. But we serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. How do I know? The song says, because he lives within my heart. That's because of God's amazing grace. And we're talking about guilt and grace this morning. Now I want to notice a very important truth in our lesson. And, and that's the idea of how all of this sin and grace we're talking about. How it all came to be. How did it come to be? Verses 12 through 16 explain it in detail. And I'm not going to read these verses. We've already done it. But I'm just going to talk about it a little bit. In verse 14, Paul says that death reigned from Adam to Moses, 
even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that is to come. Well, that's a lot. That's a big mouthful there. Uh, Adam's sin, okay, was different than the sins of other men. Uh, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 14 tells us that Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived. She was in the transgression. Now, Adam was created a perfect being, so his sin did not come as a consequence of an inward sinful disposition like we have today. His sin was different. Okay, we're born with sin. And there's a lot to talk about that as well. He was not as deceived as Eve was, but his sin was very deliberate. He knew about the rules in the garden, and yet he did it. And when he did it, his sin was a sin that affected the head of the whole human race. The whole human race. He was the first Adam. His act was an official act involving not only himself, but it affected the entire human family. For this reason, the whole world has been affected by his sin. Now, Dr. Yoakum said, Adam's act of disobedience deranged his moral constitution, God's law, conscience, reason. All of those things were no longer supreme. Self and submission to temptation changed the condition of his soul, which brought the loss of the spirit and the incoming of the death principle. Adam's sin ushered in the death principle. So genetically speaking, the entire race was involved in the consequences of Adam's sin. Because of it, we're burdened with sinfulness today. Scripture says, there's none that doeth good, no, not one. We learned about that last week. Because of Adam, all have sinned and have come short of the glory of God. Isaiah said, all we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. The sin of Adam brought universal death to all men, even to those that had no objective law. And you can read about that as well in our scriptures. So, Adam is mentioned in our verses as a type of Christ, okay? When it says, who is the figure of him that was to come. So, Adam was a type of Christ who we know Christ knew no sin, all right? Because he was not deceived. He disobeyed a known law, and he knew what would happen, but he ate of the fruit anyway because he wanted to stand with his wife. In his book, Fruit Unto Holiness, Dr. Yoakum said that Jesus stood as a perfect man and looked on us under the sentence of sin. He, Jesus, wanted us to be his bride. So he came down and stood with us. So Adam is the head of the human race, so Christ is the spiritual head of the human race. 
What one did, the other one undid. What man's sin brought was death. Therefore, one man's death is sufficient to bring us life. One man brought death. One man died to bring us life. Wow. So, from here, we could go a variety of different directions. Okay, so we know where sin came from. Uh, we know how we became sinners. We were born with it. So we could, we could go on and talk about the inherited carnal nature and the remedy for that nature, which we know is sanctification, holiness. That's the remedy for that carnal nature. But that lesson is coming up in a couple weeks. So we'll let that go. What I want to look at the remaining moments of the lesson is the hope we have because of the justification that we can enjoy. The hope of salvation by grace through faith. As death passed from Adam to all men, God has shown us his favor with grace and pardon, which we do not deserve, yet it is freely given to us as a gift. As Adam's disobedience brought death to all men, the obedience of one man brings the possibility of life to all men. Someone said that justification is a judicial decision which is not guilty. How wonderful it is to be able to stand before an almighty God and he can say, not guilty. Wow. Just as if we had never sinned. Now, I've heard some about the Quakers. I heard they were a pretty quiet bunch of people. Uh, but the idea that we are the beneficiaries of justification should be enough to even make a Quaker say, Praise the Lord. Amen. What a wonderful thought. We owe much to our Savior this morning. How can we not help but worship Him and exalt His precious name because He's worthy? The awful sin of Adam plunged the whole human race into darkness, but the light of the world is Jesus, and through Him it is possible to live a new life, a life of grace and peace and hope and love. In verse 21 of our lesson, we see how grace has broken the cycle and the power of death in this verse. Uh, thoughts of guilt and death make man think that he is doomed. But grace reigns through Christ to show man that he has hope. Although sin abounds, grace abounds more exceedingly. Whatever sin has brought, grace has brought still more. Someone said in a song, I've gone too far. And the song says, but my blood's gone further. The stain is deep, but the blood goes deeper and cleanses that stain. Righteousness will never fail. It's forever. Because of God's grace, 
we can have reconciliation along with present day restoration and a future deliverance from the wrath of God even to the very hope of eternal heaven. You know, there's more to heaven than just going there. We can enjoy some of it down here. You know, Christians really have a good life. You know, we're, we, are all, we, we are all subject to problems in this world, whether you're a Christian or whether you're not. Uh, that was part of the curse too. Uh, but I would rather any day live as a Christian than to not be a Christian, regardless of what might come my way. Much, much better off. You know, I can go to bed, and I might not always sleep very well, but it's not because of a hangover. Okay? You know, there's some things... There's, just because you're a Christian, there's some things that get knocked out right away. Just, there's just no question about some things. All right. God so loved the world is the motivation behind man's redemption from sin. Even if only one person would have responded to his death on the cross. In our lifetime, many heroic deeds have been done under the pressures of various circumstances, like the gentleman that jumped off the bridge. Many good deeds have been done because of the pressures of situations. And, and the motives for those men jumping off the bridge wasn't to get any glory to themselves. They wanted to rescue that man that was down there. Did they deserve honor? Yes, they did deserve honor. When the call for duty came, they answered the call. You know, from time to time, we picked up our newspapers and we read about stories of others, uh, people that are living everyday lives and they're reaching out to help others that are in trouble. I read a story I thought was very interesting. As the RMS Titanic began to sink during the freezing cold early morning hours of April 15, 1912, the ship's chief baker, Charles Joggin, knew he was not going to survive. So instead of going into a state of panic, he spurred on the other chefs on the ship to help him pack food and supplies into the lifeboats. When this task was done, he helped women and children board the lifeboats. Eventually, he had to throw some of them in who refused to leave the ship. He had to throw them in the lifeboats to get them off the ship. He also began to heave deck chairs overboard, throwing chairs overboard so people that were in the water would have something to grab a hold of. Finally, as the ship was just about to go under, he grabbed the safety railing, likely the very last one off the ship, and he sank into the 28-degree water of the Atlantic Ocean. He spent three hours in that cold water, but was finally rescued. And he only suffered swollen feet. That's it. So what, a, what an amazing story. Now, I'm standing here this morning uh, not to exalt the greatness of man's heroisms. I mean, it was, that was a wonderful thing he did, and he deserves honor. We're not here to glorify the actions of mankind but we're here this morning to worship and proclaim 
the one who is greater than any man who's ever walked through the pages of human history. That's what we're here for. His name is Jesus Christ. He took grace and got rid of our guilt. His name is Jesus. His rank is King of kings and Lord of lords. His acts will never be overshadowed by any futile attempt of anyone or even the devil. What God has done for man through the sending of his son into the world, bringing about the world's first Christmas, it's an unequaled gift. Never been a gift like it. His life of miracles and great works have never been copied, nor will they ever be copied by anyone. His death on the cross was a once and for all sacrifice for sin. No more bloody messes. It's an act of extended mercy and grace which has a worldwide reach. There is no created human being that is ever too far from God for his reach of love. Christ's resurrection has made eternal life a possibility for everyone who believes on his name. So I say let's worship him this morning. Worship Christ our living King. While guilt and death are a natural part of mankind because of the fall, God's marvelous grace and his tender mercy still makes the difference. So let's thank God this morning for his unspeakable gift. Thank you for your attention.